Welcome to the O Shift for Teens podcast, a show where each week I team up with a topic expert and we discuss a new question that will help you better understand your teen or the teens you work with. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of O Shift for Teens, as well as O Shift for Teens curriculum and the O Shift for Teens workshop kit, which is being used by facilitators everywhere. Head to OShift.com and join the growing movement of shift heads all across the world. Now, if you look at the back of your copy of O-Shift for Teens, I'm sure you have it right now in your hands, there's a really cute picture of myself and Jennifer Powers on the back. And in the description, I refer to myself as teen expert. And that was about four years ago when we wrote that. And since then, I stopped calling myself a teen expert because I feel like that by calling myself a teen expert, I almost pigeonhole myself and it sounds like I have nothing left to learn when that is so not true. I have so much to learn. And as we move forward on this podcast, each week I get a new topic expert. I get to learn um, as much as you do. In fact, I plan to do a lot more learning as I do teaching, which is really exciting to me. So I'm going to call myself a teen advocate, and I'll call you a teen advocate as well. And I hope you join me each week as we learn something brand new, something to help us to do a better job in this modern age with raising our teens. Now, this week, I'm super excited to have on the show Dr. Michael Osset. Michael Osset is a man that I respect very much. He took a few moments earlier, and we had a conversation. Um, he's a man that has written a book called Generation Text, Raising Well-Adjusted Kids in the Age of Instant Everything. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, a very influential book, and I think a topic which many of us adults really uh, can learn a lot because, well, we didn't have the technology that kids have now. So it's a, it's a real mystery for most of us. So I want to get straight to that interview um, with Dr. Osset right now. My guest today is Dr. Michael Osset. Dr. Osset is a practicing psychologist with over 40 years experience providing psychotherapy for adolescents and families. He's the author of Generation Text, Raising Well-Adjusted Kids in an Age of Instant Everything. And this month is releasing a new book titled, The Train Keeps Leaving Without Me, A Practical Guide to Happiness, Freedom, and Self-Fulfillment. He regularly provides parenting advice for newspaper columns, parenting magazines, radio, television, and web-based publication. Dr. Osset, how are you doing, sir? Fine, thank you. How are you, Mark? I'm excellent. You know, when you sent over your bio, I mean, I could have go on and on. Well, you know, 40 years is a long time to work in the field. You get to do a lot of things. Well, Doc, I know you're super busy, so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and our listeners. And I just want to – I, I got to throw you a little man love here. You know, your your book, Generation Text, uh, we made contact a few years ago, and it really started when I read your book. Um, I just thought it was uh, so so relevant to uh, to our teens today and to parents who are trying to navigate this this idea of the age of instant everything. Well, thank you, Mark. It's a it's a completely different world than parents grew up in, so they it's very alien to a lot of them. They need they need help navigating through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and for me, um, I I got to be honest. I've got eleven and a thirteen year old, and one of the things that you just alluded to, which is we didn't have 
access. I mean, I watched a lot of TV. I watched a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. But, you know, for me, I had to wait. Like, Tuesday night, we watched uh, Happy Days. I don't know if it's Tuesday night. But, you know, you had to wait a week to see it. But but things have changed. Oh, tremendous. I mean, you everything's on demand. And that's part of what's happening with teens in that everything is immediate gratification. They push a button and they get what they want. Uh, On-demand movies, TV shows, even cartoons. You can watch on the Cartoon Network 24 hours a day of, yeah. of any cartoon you want to access. So any television show, movie, songs, um, calling your friends instantaneously wherever you are in the world, any time of day. Boy, that is so true. I, how, how do you think that's affecting kids? I mean, we didn't have that. So how is this a positive thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, wh- wh- how do we look at this? That's a very interesting question, Mark. Uh, I view technology sort of the way I use, the way I view fire. Fire can be dangerous. It has peril um, if it's used the wrong way, but it also is very, very helpful. Uh, and, you know, very essential to our life, fire, yeah. the concept of having fire. Technology is the same way. It's all how it's used. And uh, this is where parents have to get, you know, very much involved in terms of understanding the technology and monitoring it. It can be very, very beneficial to a lot of kids. For example, a youngster, a teenager who has some social anxiety or low self-esteem, sometimes texting or, or doing a, a messaging on a social media site it feels a little bit safer to them, so they can make their social connections that way. They can't totally rely on it in, in terms of their entire social life. There has to be some face-to-face. But, you know, that's one example of how it can benefit. They also do have a lot of opportunity to socialize using the technology, much more than we did when we were kids. You know, uh, around here, and I, it's probably the same throughout the country, but we have parents that are super involved, you know, the kind of helicopter parents, I think they call them. And, um you know, and I and my 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 ex-wife and I fell into the same thing where we super monitored how much screen time our kids got. Because honestly, if we allowed it, they would be on this on a screen 24/7. I mean, the pool is so magnetic, and so we really were limiting. You know, and and, for our, and our view on like getting a cell phone is like, well, you you get a cell phone when you can buy it yourself. Um, but at the same time, it's like, are we curtailing our kids keeping up with the inevitability of technology in the future? I and mean, it's not like it's going anywhere. Well, you know, it's, it's another, you know, interesting point that you bring up. Uh, the terminology would be, you know, by limiting your kids too much from the technology, from not having a cell phone at 13 or 14 years of age, are you socially marginalizing them? Things yeah. are happening where they have to keep pace socially um, using the technology and by not giving it to them or limiting it too much, then you're going to hinder their ability to connect and, and socialize and keep up with their friends. So it's a matter of that delicate balance and careful parent monitoring. Right. Oh my gosh. That's a challenge. What do you, what do you find is happening? What is, now I know that you um, talk to kids and uh, adults all day long in your practice how often is this coming up? Every day, every single day, there's some issue with technology in families in terms of a of a conflict or an issue or parents having questions about, you know, what do we do about this? We don't know anything about this. Yeah. How do we manage this? Is it good for our child? Is it not good for our teenager? 
um, every day, at least once a day. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. You know, um, for you listeners, I send each of my guests a list of uh, potential topic questions that they can choose from, and usually they're going to gravitate towards one that they're most comfortable with. Uh, Doc, when I sent you this list, it's an extensive list, uh, you really are uh, able to speak to pretty much every question I had on there. So I sort of pushed you like, well, why? if that's the case, why don't we just talk about this technology aspect? And, and the reason is because I don't feel like a lot of our guests can really address this. I think it's so new for so many of us that it creates uh, it creates a lot of angst around it. And I can tell you in the case of, of my own boys, it's like literally every day it's a question. I, I say I limit it to an hour a day. Now, this could be uh, screen time. Now, this could be texting. It could be watching uh, TV or it could be Xbox. Um, but it seems to edge up to more and more. I mean, really, I mean, somehow they find a way to be on the screen. And as a parent, uh, it's hard to hard to resist in a way. Um, am I looking at dangers if they if they're uh, they're spending too much time with, with that that screen in their face? Well, you know, if you're looking at there's there's two sort of types of days. There's a school day and there's a non-school day. I think on a school day, one hour on screens, whether it be that I mean, YouTube. They don't watch television anymore. They watch YouTube videos. Right, right. That's how they spend their time. Um, or they're playing video games, or they're on their cell phone. And I would say one hour a day is probably max for most ages. Uh, yeah. Particularly, you know, also the research says that um, they should be off those screens one hour prior to bedtime, because otherwise it, may, it creates a difficulty sleeping. So, oh, really? You know, that, yes, about one hour before. So that one hour has to be really um, taken by them well before bedtime. On the weekends, I think two to three hours, but not straight. You know, if they're in the whole day, you know, they're playing video games. There's video games, you know, that most of the games now are played online with friends. Right. Not with strangers, but with friends. It's a way to socialize. It is. It has become a, a social vehicle. So if they're not doing things with their friends, then on the weekends, I know it, you know, a rainy day in or a snowy day in, two to three hours, but not straight. It should be broken up. I think is, is, is fine. I think the point is, and also you have to know what they're doing. I have some kids in my, in my, uh, in my practice that, you know, when they're on their screens, they're doing educational things. They're reading about different interesting things that they're interested in. Right. Yes. Um, that's not so bad, you know. So it's all comes down to, comes down to parents being aware of what their kids are doing. Right. You, you alluded to this. Parents, more parents are, um, a lot of the technology they don't know about, they don't understand. And and many parents are intimidated by it. So they sort of have a blind, um, hands-off um, sort of attitude towards it. Yes. They know the kids are on it, but they don't know what they're doing. Well, they should know what they're doing. They have to be involved. So it is a matter of setting proper limits, knowing your child, knowing your child's strengths and weaknesses, and balancing between screen time and actual face-to-face -face time socializing with their friends. Okay, so let me ask you this, because my oldest just got his own laptop. Now, this is a hand-me-down, but do do I need to make sure that that laptop is sort of staying in the social environment of the living room, or is it okay to say, okay, go in your room, it's, you know, wink, wink, it's it's homework. Uh, is there any danger in, in 
like letting him just sort of take it wherever he wants? Ideally, I would not let him take it where he wants. He should keep it in a public area. I also think right off the bat, you know, he's 13 years old, start this now. Any site that he goes on, he needs um, to give, and if, he, if it requires an, a screen ID and a, or a password, he's to provide those with you with those particular names, particularly if they're social media sites, because you yeah. want to be able to go on and monitor it. And, and you, would rec- you, know, you would recommend adults to do that? They get on and, and just from time to time check up on what's happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. I even recommend, you know, I, I travel across the country and I talk to lots of different parents, you know, you know, presenting on this very, very issue. And they always get these questions about should we be, in, you know, what about trust issues? My teenager is not going to think I trust him if I check things. Right. Well, you know, very, very good kids get into very, very bad trouble legal trouble and social troubles, they, this is the only world that they know. They don't, even if they know right from wrong, they don't use, they don't have that sense or good judgment in terms of what's appropriate, not appropriate. So I encourage parents to even let your teen know from time to time you're going to check your phone and look at the text messages. Right, and right. See what's going on, get an inkling. You don't always have to address what they're, you know, saying to their friends unless it's really something very, very serious. But they've always got in the back of their mind, mom and dad, maybe reviewing what I'm, uh, what, what I'm putting in, in a form of a text or email or right. what I'm looking my, at. Exactly. And might curtail uh, some of that, you know, inappropriate stuff they put on there. Also posting pictures. You know, I, I think, you know, when your 13-year-old Mark comes to you and says, can I have a Facebook? Can I have an Instagram? Can I have a Snapchat? Um, one of the, if you're going to give it to him, he, my recommendation is that you um, require him never to post a picture unless he runs it by you first. They just don't know what's appropriate and not appropriate. And they don't see things. For example, he may post a picture of himself in front of your home and it has the address on it. Yeah. You, know, you just don't want that on the internet. They just don't know. They just don't know. They're not that, they're sophisticated, but not at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doc, you mentioned earlier about the sort of the social aspect of um, their screen time, and it feels like it's changed. Like when I think about the social aspect, it's like Facebook, is that really socialization with my friends? I mean, how does that work? They're not even on Facebook anymore. So is is there an appropriate socialization that's happening on screens. I mean, it's texting or I don't know what else, but is, is that happening and should it be allowed? Well, you know, it is happening. They make their plans by texting. They don't call each other. They make their plans through groups that they form on Instagram. Their social plans. We're getting together at Jack's house, blah, 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 blah. Uh, are you in? That kind of thing. The other thing kids do is on these social media sites is they form study groups. When they have right. a very difficult class, maybe you know a calculus class, for example, they form study groups on these particular sites. So it's another form of not just socialization, but they're really having group study sessions using the social media in, in a very helpful, appropriate, educational way. I see. Okay. Um, let's talk about cell phones because that's the big one, and that's that's the big one around here right now. And I, I think that from a parental standpoint we've been kind of like you know my my kids they go to school and they say everybody's got a cell phone all and we're talking about from first grade on and so 
That's what they say. And they come home and they're like, well, when do we get our cell phone? And it's sort of like it's, it's like it's in the Constitution now. It's like you will have a cell phone. Um, and, and fortunately, um, the boy's mother, uh, myself, Jen, we all sort of have a united front, which is, hey, man, you can get a cell phone when you can afford it. That means you, you pay it monthly, you know. Um, what what am I looking at? Am, am I am I going in the right direction here, or am I missing the boat? Well, I think the right direction is you want to have him take ownership and responsibility for a privilege. Right. I, I don't know how realistic it is for him to be able to afford to pay the monthly, you know, cell phone day bill. Um, I'm inclined to disagree with that approach. Uh, he's going to need that cell phone to socialize. Unfortunately, it has become a necessary tool in teenagers socializing. Right. But you're, but the important thing is that when you start, start alluding to this as well, Mark, and that is cell phones are not rights. Kids do not have a right to the cell phone. It's a privilege. Now, at the end of one talk, I think it was in Chicago, maybe this gentleman comes up to me, big, you know, maybe six foot two, you know, well built guy. Yeah. And he says to me, Dr. Ross, let me ask you a question. Um, and he went on to tell me about his 15-year-old that was misusing his cell phone. So I said to him, well, and he said, what do I do about it? And I said, well, it's easy. You take it away for two to three days and tell him he can get it back. And if he continues to use it inappropriately, you're going to take it away again. If he uses it appropriately, then he gets to keep the cell phone. So right. He took one step back and looked at me and he says, I can't do that. Yeah. So I said, why not? He said, he'll get angry at me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like kids have us so empowered with their sense of entitlement. Right. Like I need, I not not I don't want a cell phone. I need a cell phone. Is their attitude? It's a privilege. So once you give it to him, you know, once your son has it and he's using it appropriately, like any privilege, like yeah. driving. You know, if you get too many speeding tickets. The, st- the state you drive in takes your license away. You've yes. not handled it maturely and responsibly. That privilege. It's not a right. Cell phones are the same way, and parents have to have this attitude. It's a privilege. And if it's misused, I'm taking it away. Not for a long period of time, just a right. day or two. And then they'll you know, get it back, and if they continue using the privilege maturely and responsibly, then, they, you know, then it's theirs. You know, I so agree with that, and I've seen that happen, especially when I was teaching high school. And and what I think happens is parents present it as though this is yours. This is, I've given you the cell phone, now it's yours, and I sort of have lost ownership and control over what you do with it. And so the idea of taking it away is like, how weird would that be, you know? So I think that we, we as parents dig ourselves a little bit into a hole by taking that approach rather than this cell phone is mine and... You get to use it as as you show your uh, sort of responsibility level is is appropriate. Exactly. Well, so now I want to get back because this is this is interesting. Um, again, I've I've taken sort of the approach that with my 13 year old that he's going to have to be able to take some some ownership in it by paying for some of it. Now you're telling me that that's going to push it out. In my mind, that means that when he's uh, a little older is when he's going to get a cell phone. You're saying that that's, that's not necessarily appropriate. Would you suggest um, that he should already have a cell phone? What age are you are you finding is, is typically appropriate? Well, that's, that's interesting also. 
Um, I mean, certainly there are certain ages on the lower end that I would not recommend a cell phone. Five, yeah. six, seven, eight years old, nine years old. Some of it is a geographic. As I travel around the country and I talk to different groups of parents, it becomes a little bit of a geographic kind of an issue. But sure. um, in the in, in the Northeast, which is where I am, at ten years old, that's fourth or fifth grade. That's when kids are starting to get their first cell phones. Not everybody has them, but you know, a handful of kids start to get them. Right. It's not so much an age thing for me, Mark. It's know your child. Right. Um, how do they handle responsibility? Um, how do they, are they mature enough to have a cell phone? You know, do they lose things? Do they, um, do they not know right from wrong? Do they push the envelope? You know, you really have to know your child because if your child is 13 and a lot of those questions you answer, no, 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 then he or she should not have that cell phone. Right. They're not ready yet. They're just not ready yet. Yeah. And so it's a matter of readiness. Just like in, in, in an educational school, you don't teach algebra to a to a third grader. They're not ready yet. You know. That that's um, so true. Yeah. And and I find that that's the case with my son in, in so many ways. It's and that's kind of the approach we've taken. It, it, I trust you until you prove otherwise. And uh, you know, so so really the courts the ball's in your court as far as making good decisions. And uh, as, as long as you are, you're going to have a lot of freedom, a lot of ability. Dr. Osset, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. It feels like we could talk all day long about this. And I know that a lot of people would love to uh, hear more about what you have to say. Where do they find, where do our listeners find uh, out more about what you have going on? Well, certainly the book, which is, you know, Generation Text. Um, and my website would be www wpaatc.com and that's my uh, my personal website as well as my practice website and there's information to be found there and your book is coming out uh, I think like right right about now that the new book uh, the train keeps leaving without me how how are you advertising that where can we find that that's going to be available on Amazon uh, you know all booksellers Online booksellers, it'll be in stores, it'll, it'll, you know, anywhere there's a, a retailer books, bookseller, even online. It's a very, very exciting, uh, because it's a, it's about sort of, a, sort of a, a jumping off point from teenage years in that when you enter adulthood, you gotta take control over your life to be happy instead of life happening to you and being a victim. That's sort of the thrust of the book. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to, to get that book. Your first book is, like I said, was very influential to me. I, I know that our listeners uh, will definitely want to read Generation Text. I look forward to uh, seeing your new book. I want to thank you so much for being on our show, and I look forward to, to talking to you again in the future. My pleasure, Mark, and I'll be on anytime you want. I appreciate it. All right, Doc. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, much appreciation to Dr. Uh, Michael Osset for doing that interview with me. Right now, as he said, releasing a book, the guy is super busy with clients at the same time. he His son just got married. We, we really had to uh, work to find a time that we could talk, but what a treat it was for me. As you could tell, um, I'm a big admirer of his work in this topic. I just felt like it is so useful for many of us who struggle with this issue of technology. If you're a topic expert or a thought leader and uh, would like to be a guest on the show, um, why don't you email me at mark at oshift.com. I'd love to hear from you. Obviously, uh, with 52 shows a year, that's 520 a decade. That is 
over 5,000 in the next 100 years, so I'm going to be busy. I'm going to need uh, lots of uh, guests for the show, and, and if you feel like you have something to offer our listeners, uh, please send me an email, and I look forward to making that connection with you. If you're thinking about becoming an O-Shift for Teens facilitator, well, we've done all the work of uh, putting together life-changing material, and uh, we've also, one thing that happened when we were developing this, I was teaching high school, I told Jen, we need to make this super easy to facilitate. Anything we do, it's got to be super easy to facilitate. So our facilitator's guides make it super easy. It's just step-by-step, and so you can be giving the same workshops that Jennifer gives out in the world and uh, so many other facilitators as well. You can head to oshift.com, go to uh, become a facilitator tab and get all the details. And if you're still left with questions, well, gosh, you can email me. I try to make myself accessible because uh, this movement really matters to me. Uh, it matters to Jen. And we, uh, we really put it all on the line to make sure that you have the support you need. That's it for this week. I hope you'll join us next week when we uh, visit with Sharon Byrne, life coach out of New York as well. Um, You're going to love that conversation too. All right, we will see you all next week.